Chapter 45 of Fairy Fingers by Anna Cora Mawit Ritchie. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Kelly Taylor. Chapter 45 Reparation. Maurice, with as much nonchalance as he could assume, informed his grandmother that he had engaged a guard malade to assist in the care of his father. When good Mrs. Lawkins made her appearance the next morning, looking as plump, rosy, and comfortable as English nurses and housekeepers are wont to look, the countess merely bestowed upon her a passing glance, and then took no further notice of her presence. It never occurred to Madame de Grémont to inquire into the fitness of this person for the position and duties. Besides, the countess seldom addressed a hireling except to utter a command or a rebuke. Maurice was greatly relieved when he perceived his grandmother's perfect indifference to the individual whom he had selected. Mrs. Lawkins had been thrown into a flutter by Madeleine's cautions and the prospect of being obliged to parry a series of cross-questions, but the reception she received quickly restored her equanimity. Count Tristan was sitting near his mother. The worthy housekeeper made her obeisance to both in silence, then turned to Maurice for directions. "'Have you brought your trunk with you?' inquired the latter. "'I left it in the entry, sir.' The Count looked up at the sound of that voice, immediately recognizing one whose association in his mind with madeleine struck a chord which vibrated most readily he exclaimed in a piteous voice madeleine madeleine why don't she come madeleine come soon maurice bertha and mrs lawkins were filled with consternation at these words which they imagined must arouse the suspicions of the countess but she had not condescended to waste sufficient attention upon the domestic her son had hired to perceive that Count Tristan's ejaculations had any connections with her presence. The disdainful lady's eyes sparkled with anger at the unexpected mention of one whose name she desired never more to hear. She drew her chair close to Count Tristan's and said in harsh accents, I trust, my son, that you have no wish ungratified when your mother is by your side. Whom else can you desire? Count Tristan was too easily cowed by her manner to venture a reply, even if his disordered intellect could have suggested any appropriate answer. I rejoice at your restoration to me, continued his mother and the filial duty I have the right to expect prompts me to believe that you also rejoice at our reunion. The invalid looked very far from rejoicing, but the countess solaced herself by interpreting his silence into an affirmative. From that time he never breathed Madeleine's name in his mother's presence, but those who watched beside him often heard it murmured when he slept, or just as he wakened, before full consciousness was restored. From the day that he returned to the hotel, he sank into a state of deep dejection. He would lie or sit for hours with his eyes wide open, without apparently seeing or hearing what passed around him, 
while an expression of despair overshadowed his deeply furrowed countenance the manifest weakness of his brain was a severer trial to madame de gramont than his enfeebled bodily condition but she dealt with it as with her other trials she would not acknowledge to herself the existence of his mental malady she refused to admit that he lacked the power to reason at the very moment when she was exerting the species of authority she would have employed to keep an unreasoning child in check the idea that it would be well to divert his mind and render the hours less tedious never occurred to her or if it did she was totally at a loss to suggest any means of pleasantly whiling away the time her own health had not wholly recovered from its recent shock the slow fever still lingered in her veins but the daily routine of her life was as unchanged as though her strength had been unimpaired dr bayard had ordered his patients to drive out every day and the countess considered it her duty to accompany him the pillows which mrs lawkins carefully placed for the support of the invalid were almost as much needed by his mother but she sat erect and drew herself away from them as though the merest approach to a reclining posture would have been a lapse from her dignity the count no longer gazed out of the window with that calm look of enjoyment which maurice and madeleine had remarked he usually closed his eyes or fixed them on his son sitting opposite with a mournfully appealing look which seemed to ask can no help come to me will it always be thus week after week passed on maurice in spite of his unremitting attention to his father found time to pay daily visits to madeleine she no longer made her appearance in the exhibition rooms or saw the ladies who came to her establishment upon business but when count tristan was removed she had no gracious plea for excusing herself to those who called as visitors she received them with graceful ease and dignified composure not one of them had courage or inclination to make the faintest allusion to the past or to their acquaintance with her as mademoiselle melanie it was mademoiselle de gramont in whose presence they sat even madame de fleury had too much perception to venture to ask her advice upon questions of the deepest interest namely the most becoming shapes for the new attire the selection of colours the choice of appropriate trimmings or some equally important matter which engrossed that troubled lady's thoughts and caused her many wakeful nights after count tristan and maurice returned to the hotel bertha escaped from imprisonment she had informed her aunt that she was suffering from the want of fresh air the countess requested her to accompany count tristan and herself upon their daily drive but bertha maintained that driving would do her no good she detested a close carriage she wanted more active exercise she would take a brisk walk with her maid madame de gramont would assuredly have mounted guard over her niece in person were it not that the fatigue experienced even after a couple of hours driving admonished her that she lacked the strength for pedestrianism bertha was allowed to go forth attended only by adolphine 
her walk always lay in one direction and that was towards the residence of madeleine and strange to say she never failed to encounter monsieur de bois who was always going the same way these invigorating promenades had a marvellous effect in restoring bertha's faded colour and vanished spirits and in the small sad circle of which the stern-visaged countess de Gramont formed the centre there was at least one radiant face about this time the quiet monotony of maurice's life was broken by a letter from his partner monsieur lorillard this gentleman had only recently learned from mr emerson the painful circumstances which had taken place in connection with the loan made to the vicomte de gramont by mr lorillard's suggestion mr lorillard prided himself upon being too good a judge of character and upon having studied that of maurice too thoroughly not to feel confident that some satisfactory explanation could be given to occurrences which bore a very dubious aspect he wrote kindly yet frankly to maurice requesting to know whether the account of the transaction which he had received was thoroughly correct and more than hinting his certainty that all the facts had not been brought to light maurice was sorely perplexed but in spite of his strong desire to shield his father he finally decided that mr lorillard was entitled to a full explanation and that his own position would never be endurable while a suspicion shadowed his name he dispatched mr lorillard the following letter my dear sir i cannot but be touched by the confidence you repose in me i do not thank you less because you have done me the common justice which is due from one man to another when i received the loan from mr emerson i as firmly believed that the security i gave him was unquestionable as he did i had been led to think that the power of attorney in my father's hands had not been used i was mistaken i pass over mr emerson's proceedings which however severe were authorized by the light in which he viewed my conduct the ten thousand dollars he loaned me were at once repaid him by the generosity of one of my relatives madame madeleine de gramont whose debtor i remain my father's dangerous illness has detained me in washington the instant he is sufficiently convalescent i propose returning to charleston to resume my professional duties i am my dear sir yours very truly maurice de gramont mr lorillard was highly gratified by the simple ingenuous yet manly tone of this letter and well pleased to find his impressions correct he immediately dispatched an epistle to mr emerson which convinced the latter that he could only conciliate a valued friend by making every possible reparation a few days later maurice was surprised by mr emerson's card he could not converse with him in the presence of count tristan and madame de gramont and was obliged to receive him in the general drawing-room of the hotel when maurice entered mr emerson extended his hand and said with an air of frankness i am a just man monsieur de gramont and i came to make an apology 
my friend mr lorillard has convinced me that i ought to have paused before i yielded to the conviction that one whom he esteemed so highly had wilfully taken advantage of my credulity i am now convinced that you were not aware that your property was mortgaged and i come to tell you so you have again made me your debtor replied maurice not a little gratified i give you my word as a gentleman that i had not the remotest suspicion that the property in question was encumbered i have no right to complain of the severity of your treatment it was justifiable under the circumstances hardly replied the other but i shall esteem it a privilege to make all reparation in my power of course you are aware that the railroad mentioned passes through your property and that the estate has already doubled its former value i came here to say that i am ready not only to loan you the ten thousand dollars you originally requested me to advance but a larger sum if you so desire what a sensation of thankfulness and relief those words caused maurice he would not only be enabled to repay madeleine the amount she had so generously loaned but he would be in a situation to meet the heavy expenses which his father and grandmother were daily incurring count de Gramont had never given his son entire confidence but the latter was not aware of the exact state of the count's affairs but maurice had too much cause to believe that they were in ruinous condition he had only recently become acquainted with the mortifying fact that from the time his father left the chateau de Gramont, bertha had been the banker of the whole party i will meet your offer as frankly as it is made answered maurice after a moment's reflection if you feel justified in loaning me fifteen thousand dollars instead of ten upon the former security i will esteem it a great favor willingly come to my office to-day at any hour you please and we shall settle the matter make haste for i must write to lorillard by this evening's mail and i desire to inform him in answer to his somewhat caustic letter that i have made amends honourable chapter forty five